On today's Locked On Cavs, it is 18 wins in 20 games for Donovan Mitchell and company. We'll talk about how they did it and what it means going into the All-Star break on today's new show. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. I'm Chris Manning. That man over there is Evan Damerald. This is the Locked On Cavs podcast, your team every day. Thanks again to Jake Stevens, as always, for his work on production. Cavs beat the Bulls in their last game before the All-Star break, a game where they were down 8-0 early, certainly weren't at their very, very best in this one. Kind of a slog of a game, but end up winning 108-105. to Donovan Mitchell has 30 points. Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, Darius Garland, and Isaac Okor, and George Niang, all in double figures as well for Cleveland. And they've won 18 of 20. 18 of 20 games over the over since January 3rd. Evan Damrell, let's start there. That This is the big deal coming out of this game, that they're going to the All-Star break as the two seed, having won 18 of 20 games. What does that tell you about where the Cavs are at right now at this point in time? They're in a much better spot than they were before 2024 began, especially after they dropped the New Year's Day game to the Toronto Raptors. They are sitting pretty. We talked about this on Wednesday's show quite a bit. Like The, the two-seed is Cleveland's to lose at this point. And um, this game against Chicago certainly had the feels of a team that uh, may have had their minds on the All-Star break already, maybe thinking about where they're going on vacation for the next week or so, or Donovan Mitchell gets to hang out and – Indianapolis for the weekend, but um, uh, regardless, the, the Cavs um, certainly battled in the second half. I have a little bit of a different takeaway, but what this means for this team is um, they're they're sitting pretty in second place in Eastern Conference. They're still kind of within the mix of things. Boston, they keep Milwaukee, New York, Philadelphia, teams like that a little bit further away from them for the two seed as well, and it just leaves them in a good spot, you know. You just hope they maintain good health heading into uh, this proverbial second half of the season. But 18 to 20 is something that sees that they played very well over the stretch. I mean, 18 to 20 is beyond, I think, nothing to see that. This is a team that has gone from being, you know, were they going to be the four seed again? Were they staring down a, a tough first round matchup with the Knicks? Like, where was this going? What was the end result going to be? This They're now number two. In the East, they're six games behind Boston, and like I don't think anyone's catching Boston. They're so you're playing for the second seed behind Boston, really. You're two games up on the Bucks. You're four games up on the Knicks, mm-hmm. and you're four and a half games up on the 76ers. To be at the, this is effectively this run, this 18 and 20 run has put the Cavs in the pole position for that. I mean, that is massive that is hugely important for for whatever this team is going to ultimately accomplish whether it's a conference finals whether whatever it's going to be their chances of maximizing it the chance of it happening have just risen in a real way over these last 20 games and even when on this was not a perfect performance this was a game i thought they might lose for a time and then i texted you in our group text with jake that they were going to win it in the dumbest way possible that didn't exactly happen 
but it wasn't a pretty win. Their game before, you know, they really should could have won 19 to 20 if they just played like 5% better the other night. But this is just a really, really good basketball team. They've raised, I think, what their floor is and what their ceiling is over these 20 games. That is what we have proved. To be here at the All-Star break is nothing short of a testament to, I think, what this group has figured out. That I think it means a lot that they've done this. Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to discredit it by saying it's something to sneeze at or anything, but... Um, no, I know, but I, I, I feel like I am like kind of like... I feel right now, I feel like I'm a little more amazed by this. This is where I, what I'm kind of feeling if I'm reading the energy coming off of both of us right now. Oh, no, I'm, I'm continually amazed at how well they played. I think I'm just remaining level-headed and thinking that there were some warts that I saw against the Philly game. I think it became more apparent in the Chicago game. Maybe it is just that fatigue you feel with the all-star break looming you know it's like you get like an actual vacation more or less uh time off that you need to rest recuperate and just kind of get away from basketball for a few days to kind of reset everything but um for me it's just yeah there's a lot of encouraging things for this Cavs team heading into the stretch run of the season and no, it wasn't a pretty win. I agree with you like I thought maybe if they do win this game it is going to be in a really weird way and uh, thankfully it didn't turn into that for our sakes because that would have been a lot harder for us to probably digest and break down but I'm just I'm optimistic to see what the remainder of this season has for the Cavs just because um, they have some important games coming up in early March and I think those will be another big test for them and just the fact that they keep stringing together wins on a fairly at least consistent basis and they keep playing very well uh, I think especially just you know it can't be understated that they changed their entire offensive approach on the fly midseason um, not a lot of teams are able to do that and kind of keep rolling like this but the Cavs have found a way to win most nights and every night and I mean we can talk about Donovan Mitchell till the cows come home but he was the reason why the Cavs won this game despite a bit of an injury scare to, about early into the game this is over 20 games this is the cleaning the glass stats I just want to throw some numbers out there Cavs are first in point differential over that stretch. They're 18-2. and two. They have a point differential of 15.5. The second best team in point differential over that stretch is the Minnesota Timberwolves at plus 10.3. Think about that for a second. Think about how much better the Cavs have been than just about everybody, like everybody else in that one way. Again, it is not everything, but that is absurd. Their offense fifth over that stretch at 121.5. Uh, Clippers, Phoenix among the teams better. First in defense by a full t- nearly three points per hundred possessions. Minnesota second in that category. They're first against the spread as well. A few betters out there. Like this team is just like I I to act to to look at it on the whole to me and to look at the numbers and to look at how they're playing and to just feel like the energy. I I just can't help but just be like there's something really cool coming here. There's going to be something really interesting coming here after they're done. Yes, you could look ahead and say, like, oh, there's these other tests. But, like, I, I just kind of think they've, you win, you win 18 of 20. That doesn't have, that's not a fluke hot streak. That is, we're a really good basketball team hot streak. And mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily, no, like, not I'm not going to put, like, so much weight into tests to come. I think they just, they just passed the biggest test to me this whole year. You think so? Yeah, because, Evan, I think, I think the fact, that they had you, you Darius Garland the playoffs out. are the biggest test. I'm saying in the regular season. I'm saying in the regular season for the fact that this team had Darius Garland go out, and whether he's having a bad year or not, he goes out. Evan Mobley goes out. 
other teams, other situations, it crumbles there. And instead, that became like the basis of them figuring this out and hitting a high they weren't hitting at the start of the year. So like, yes, do they have to get to the playoffs and like not get shellacked in the first round again for this to mean anything? Sure. But if I, I don't necessarily, it's not fun to live in a world where like I'm that everything is based off that. It, yes, that matters. That's going to dictate a lot of things. But in the moment right now, this team has passed the biggest test it has faced in this regular season, and they hit a grand slam with it. They hit it out of the park. They got a 50 in the dunk contest. I don't disagree with you. Um, I, 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 in the fact that they've been playing really well and they've hit a home run given the circumstances, and that can't be understated at all. Um, but I do not agree that this is the biggest test they passed. They still, like we talked about this at the end of last season, and we were both incredibly high on this team heading into the playoffs last year to, 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 because of what we were seeing on the court. Um, I, I Maybe I woke up on the wrong side of the bed today. Maybe you and I had a personality swap before this episode started, but I am optimistic about their chances. I think they're showing that they can handle adversity very well on the chin, and they can battle back in games where, at least in this game against Chicago, it was a product of them putting themselves in this hole in the first place. But, yeah, that's encouraging. That's good. They're showing signs of tangible growth. I think J.B. Baker's staff has really, really, really shown his chops and medal as a, as a coach for this team, just from not just a, you know rallying the troops' perspective but a tactical advantage and just adjustments in game-to-game adjustments and things like that, too. But I just need to see it continue and it has for this 20 game sample and it makes me optimistic for the second half of the season and i think like the next like quote unquote test or quiz they have will be like some higher level opponents come march and also just how they look post all-star break too because orlando is a pretty solid team as well but yeah they are still playing with house money heading into the break and that is a fun thought to think of if you're a fan of this team and it does make them even more intriguing to cover going forward because how far does this go is now my new question for them and that that's yes does this need to get to see how far it goes yes but i i think there is something in just like okay even orlando is a point of comparison of a test and we're going to go into break over the same stretch that the Cavs are by far the best team in the league in terms of point differential orlando is 17th or 23rd in offense. Like, the Cavs are literally at, like, just didn't say, like, it's a level that doesn't compute. And even if not every performance is perfect, it is just like they've hit a high that I'm. If you injected true serum into JB Bickerstaff right now and the whole, and the players, I don't know if they would have told you they would have hit a run like this to start there. I, re- I really don't know if anyone necessarily could have believed this. All right, after this, we're going to let's talk something about Cavs Bulls, how the Cavs got it done, another Donovan Mitchell. 30 point game that's up next robin hood do you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement you can still have an ira robin has the only ira that gives you a three percent boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to robin hood gold but get this now through april 30th robin hood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from other retirement accounts with a three percent match that's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most free retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com backslash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 
validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk, including loss. Limitations apply to IRA and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to specific terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker-dealer. So Cavs beat the Bulls again. That is a 108-105 to game. Donovan Mitchell, 30, a bunch of guys in double figures. Free throws, the real decider late. Evan, what was your, your big takeaway from how they pulled out this game? Um, my big takeaway for me is that the Cavs are going to have to learn how to live by variance, whether that means living by the three-pointer or dying by the three-pointer. In the first half, you saw them go 5 of 21 from three-point range, nearly 50% of their shot attempts were three-pointers. And I think it's, again, that's a product of the new offensive approach and the fact that they have the shooters to take those shots, whether it's Niang, um, Struess, Garland, Mitchell, Merrill when he's available, Wade when he's available, um, even Evan Mobley when he feels like it too. But there are going to be moments where the Cavs kind of do dig themselves into a hole and maybe they just have to kind of find a bit of that balance uh, just between like prioritizing attacking the basket, attacking the paint. And also, you know, they are reading and reacting what Chicago's defense is giving them, of course, in this game. But at least in the second half, the Cavs were a little less trigger happy comparatively to where they were in the first. And even if the attempts start to creep up towards the same amount by the end of the game, at least I noticed the Cavs were much more efficient from three-point range in this game, at least in the second half of this game. And then they also were able to get a lot of cleaner looks and opportunities at the basket. And then in turn, when Chicago's defense uh, corrected and adjusted to Cleveland applying more pressure at the rim, gave them easier and cleaner looks at on the perimeter, whether it's a guy standing outside or they're just using off-ball screens and motion and things like that. And I, I think that's just going to have to be emblematic of how this team tackles things as they continue to acclimate these pieces, especially with Darius Garland, who is looking better, I'd say. Um, the game against um, Philly, we saw some good things. I think him hitting some clutch shots down the stretch against Chicago was really good too. But there's a way to be a lot cleaner about it. And I think that's going to be kind of the next step on top of integrating Garland and to an extent Mobley. But Mobley, I'm not as concerned about. What about you? Yeah, Mobley, Mobley's kind of brushed all the concern I would have had aside in a lot of ways. Hit another three in this game, 14 and nine, a block. It's still like he's just he had a late bucket in this game that was key in crunch time. That's really great to see. Garland's I, I, where I have kind of was drawn to with this one because it's not box score wise a game that you look at and say, okay, he was great. It was 12.7 assists, two turnovers, solid. But he hit, you mentioned the clutch shot, and that to me is the the smartest thing you could have shot out for his performance because he hit a three that was a sidestep three that put them up. And until mm-hmm. Kobe White hits one on the other end, that was like the go-ahead clutch shot. And for him to take it, to make it, hit another one that, that just rolled out later in this game, um, a little bit before the one he makes, like that's the Darius you're going to need in the playoffs. That's the Darius you're going to need to just maximize what he is as a player. And for Donovan Mitchell, not like Donovan Mitchell played nearly 39 minutes in this game. At some point, he's just going to need someone to take a little bit of the pressure off of him and, and relieve some of the burden of having to do what feels like everything. Garland's the guy as a scorer that's going to need to do that, particularly just because he's in theory, he should be more consistent than your Karis Levert of the world or, or some of your other options. 
Well, yeah, you also, no discredit to Karis LeVert, you want Donovan Mitchell taking those big shots with the game on the line, but also, if you're Cleveland, you, at least for me with him, him as in Darius hitting that clutch three-pointer, especially because it's just like, you know, one of the more Darius Garland three-pointers I've ever seen him take and make, um, you jump back to the Philly game where Donovan Mitchell drives to the basket, pulls up at the rim, doesn't get or is semi blocked um, on the attempt. And then Jared Allen recovers, uh, kicks out to Garland on the perimeter and Garland misses it. You know, it's encouraging to see the Cavs have the trust and faith to go right back to Darius and say, okay, the, the game's on the line. The ball is in your hands. Go out and do what we expect you to do. Instead of them maybe shying away from it or maybe not showing that they have confidence in Garland despite some of the physical limitations from just like what his recovery has kind of put him through so far. Um, ditto for Isaac Okoro. Like the, the Cavs kicked it to Isaac Okoro in the last two minutes of the game and let Okoro just spray a three-pointer, hoping to like kind of firmly seize that momentum that they're starting to pull away from the Bulls. And it, it didn't make, but you want guys taking those attempts. And I know I just said I talked about three-point variance and living and dying by the three, but there are good shot attempts. And also, like if you have your best shooters taking those shots, it makes life a heck of a lot easier for you. Isaac Okoro took eight threes in this game, just for the record. He, six of 11 from the field. He took he four of eight from three. Surprising and always hear out loud. He just is. Like, you know, based on what we know about Isaac Okoro as a player. I just, but I th- I think, Evan, just to, to the point of this, I think he's just kind of proven that he's actually evolved. And if you don't think he's evolved, you're just ignoring that he's evolved at this point. Like, I, I think if, I think yeah, you can look I at agree, that and but... say, like, uh, like, is he taking. Is he is he gonna become Kyle Korver reincarnated, or is he gonna be like Sam Merrill? No, but you look at his shot frequency. Like his, he's taking a good amount of threes. He's taking threes at a at a clip that you really like. He's making them at a. He's near. He's nearly forty percent from three on the season, and it's not just boosted by corner threes, which has been kind of the thing with him before, where his corner threes were higher and his non corners were higher. He's at 37% as of right now on non-corner threes. He's at 40% on corner threes. This is just like a good shooter now. And he, and he also made a play in the fourth quarter of this game where he drove on a closeout and he passed to Jared Allen and he didn't freeze. He didn't have a record scratch. He didn't panic and give up the ball like it was hot and it was a hot potato. He just drove and the handle was a little loose, but he made the play and Jared Allen got a bucket out of it. He's grown. Like there's there's just a there's a there's three, four plays a game that guy makes on top of his defensive stuff that I think tell you he's grown. That is just highly, highly encouraging. Even on a night like this where it's kind of sloppy overall as a team and it takes an eight point fourth quarter for advantage in the fourth for them to win. You get Okoro, you get Mobley stuff, you you get enough Mitchell. Garland shows a little bit more life, and you went. Um, and you went, and of course, just been a big part of that. Last thing, Evan, nine-man rotation tonight. The starters: so Garland, Mitchell, Struess, Mobley, Allen, and then Okoro, Niang, Levert. So, excuse me, eight-man rotation. I can't count apparently. Um, and Dean Wade Yang obviously fouls out. out of this one, and and Yang fouls out. No way due to injury. But what do you make of? that it feels like we kind of know who the eight, nine guys are. What do you make of the fact that it seems like Bickerstaff has settled onto this set group of guys? I mean, it's the same group. And then if you add in Dean Wade and Sam Merrill, there's the 10 man rotation that JV Bickerstaff reluctantly 
wants to roll with just because he's a creature of habit at times and prefers eight to nine men deep. But and Marilyn Way didn't play in this one. But yeah, I, I think I understand just from my casual timeline scrolling while at Valentine's dinner with my wife. Um, just people saying like the, the Cavs need to like bench George Niang because you're not going to get much from him defensively, especially when the Bulls are forcing Kobe White or DeMar DeRozan onto him some possessions. And he just can't handle, he cannot handle guys that are smaller, quicker, uh, faster, or stronger than him. Um, it's pretty much a death on Cleric at that point. But um, there was a stretch in the end of the third quarter heading into the fourth that um, Niang hits a big three and then he gets into that pushing match with white which is just it is what it is but he's that type of dude where like he gives you that spark where like yeah he can be a guy who gets you consistent minutes but uh, those eight guys no not surprised i think again you add wade and maryland to the mix it's a packing order maybe who's who is going to play or not play um dependent on just the matchup and maybe who has it going between wade niang and merrill i think this is a game they did miss Dean, Dean Wade's defense at times, especially against guys like White or DeRozan. But more or less, this those eight guys, uh, at least the first seven with Levert and Okoro being the first two guys off the bench, more or less is like your lineup set in stone if you're the Cavs. And then you kind of pick and choose based on who has it or the personnel or the matchup that you have in front of you and just kind of plug and play your options to maybe figure out like your eighth, ninth, or tenth man, God willing, if you're willing to stretch it that far. Uh, especially come playoff time. Coming up next, Amani Bates is heading to Indianapolis. Let's talk about what he's been in the G League and and why he's going to Indy to play in the Rising Stars game. This Today's episode is brought to you by Hungry Root. Hungry Root is your partner in healthy living. It is the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality groceries and simple, healthy recipes delivered to your door. Evan, you have gone and gotten a Hungry Root box. Tell everyone about it. Uh, Hungry Root is great. So when you are first signing up, you take a small, pretty thorough quiz, though, that they kind of get a feel of what, like, your uh, dietary restrictions are, what your flavor profile and, like, just preferences are, um, what your goals are, whether it's losing weight, watching maybe your carbohydrate intake, maybe consuming, like, healthier fats as you kind of – just better improve your life. And a lot of it is very vegan friendly or just um, dietary friendly in general, whether you have like a nut allergy or things like that. And the really convenient thing is, is for like my wife who works a nine to five and there's days she's in the office and maybe there's days I'm not home either. And she is like, I'm covering a game and she's on her own for dinner that night. Like for her, it's easy because she can take a hungry meal and more or less, it is all pretty much pre-made with fresh ingredients and pre-packaged. And it's just a simple heat up mix, mixing together. And there's very minimal cleanup, monster fuss. And you get a great, tasty, and healthy meal on top of it. It's it's awesome. I could not recommend it enough. Right now, Hunger Root is offering Locked On NBA Channel Thursday listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungerRoot.com slash Locked On to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's hungryroot.com slash lockdown. Don't forget to use our link so they know that we sent you. All right, so Monty Bates, Cleveland Cavaliers rookie. He's on a two-way deal, obviously. He spent most of the year in the G League. He's been named to the NBA's Rising Stars Challenge, replacing Ron Holland from G League Ignite. 
Um, he will be Bates is this is the second part of the weekend. Bates will be part of. He's also going to play in the G, NBA G League next up game on Sunday. So the, mm-hmm. the, you can look up the format for the Rising Stars Challenge. It's not. It's uh, it's always it's a little. There's a there's a tournament and like it it it's a whole thing. But Evan Bates to me getting there, and him being the selection for this, I think it's really fun. I think he, if you you know I'm not going to tell you I've watched every charge game. Uh, there's only one person I knew who I think has, and Jackson Yersicko. But Bates has had a really interesting year, and you look at the numbers. It's it's starting to outline statistically at least of the kind of guy you hoped he could morph into at a professional level after his obviously kind of odyssey of getting here at all. Yeah, I, I think that's the right way to look at it. Just um, uh, I was curious on why he was selected. So the team he's on, um, I'm sure maybe you heard me folks and i said oh during the ad read um he's on a team of g league ignite players of almanza buzelis ron holland who bates is replacing uh tyler smith and then like there's a player from uh, sioux falls is a t- team from a uh, player from um uh, Orlando, Orlando's affiliate, and so on. So, like, it makes sense. You pick some of the younger players and plug them into these situations, and it can be like an audition or showcase because it's what they've done for the last few years. It's like it's the top G League talent, and I think Bates makes sense because he's already representing the charge in the G League Next Up game, and I think he's just really showcased the credentials and everything. Like you said, there there are moments where you can really see that there is a vet path and a vision of development. And I think despite maybe what our YouTube comments or people on Twitter say, like it is for the best that he has spent almost the entirety of his season this year with the charge developing under Mike Garrity and getting consistent on court reps just to keep playing and developing the player he can be. And just the player maybe the Cavs hope he can be. And you see a lot of it, like just in the numbers, like it's scoring and shooting. Um, there's some passing. I think he's using his size to rebound a bit more defensively. It's still not perfect, but I think that's just to be expected to a guy that's that small and um, just in, comparative to his height. And um, also just young as a player too. Like that's just going to be part of the growing pains, but yeah, he's in a good spot. And I think this is just a well-deserved honor that he locked up that it's cool. It's just a cool, special thing just because not many dudes, like it's a team of, seven players for Team Detlef, which is just the G League Ignite and G League players. So, yeah, you're one of seven that was considered one of the best with um, four of the players already being G League Ignite guys. So maybe one of the three that was considered good enough for this showcase. And it's a good opportunity for him just to kind of showcase where his development and growth has been at since he really hasn't been on like a national broadcaster probably stage since he last played for Memphis uh, in college. Yes or no, he's on the main roster next year. So main roster is in the sense he's not on the two-way. Um, I want to say yes, but I, it also wouldn't surprise me if the Cavs put him on a two-way. He's on more of like an inside track to getting a roster spot. Um, maybe not on the same level as Craig Porter Jr. He needs more time down at the G League just to get those on-court reps, but it, it all hinges on the defensive stuff, I think. And he's acknowledged that he needs to improve on it whenever I, he's spoken to the media, whether it's through the Cavs or the Charge. And 
that's just like kind of the thing is like he can be a bit of a mismatch get hunted at times because he's not fully acclimated to NBA defenses but it's a tentative maybe for me um what about you so I'm just gonna say yes because here's if you look at just the roster of who's under contract next year there's 11 guys, Garland, Mitchell, Allen, Levert, Struess, Mobley, Niang, Wade, Ty Jerome, remember him, and Sam Merrill. Sam Merrill is non-guaranteed. Isaac Okoro, and then Craig Porter, well. Craig Porter Jr. Yeah, he Craig Porter Jr. is on there. And then you have Isaac Okoro, I would expect to be back. So that gets you to 12. So that means you have three roster spots. One of those, I would suspect, goes to a backup center. That would be my guess. If I'm you're looking ask at you with a question about that, actually, I'll go let you talk. About. Uh, well, Bates and Bates, the only thing I'll say is Bates is Bates would be the logical guy in house. You sign him to a Kobe Almond special of a multi year deal that gets him some more money, but also has some non guarantees in it. I think that's a pretty reasonable. Maybe he's on a two way, but I I think that there's a pretty reasonable path to do that versus. A veteran, and I think, and I, and frankly, I'm. That's we're gonna. I'm gonna earmark this for us now. I think when we get to the summer, think about this team, debating what they do with those spots, and and if it's worth it to just go get like a veteran guy that doesn't have a lot of juice left, but is a vet versus someone like Bates, where there's maybe some more, some more risk just because he's not as polished. I I think that's an interesting roster construction debate you can have. But what's your question about backup big? Um, Isaiah Mobley is. Still riding on that two-way contract after Craig Porter Jr. got converted. And I thought about it when the news became official today. Um, do you think he has done enough yet to earn that roster spot? Or is he going to kind of be in limbo heading into next year? Because I, I don't fully know what the limitations are for guys on two-way deals, like how many times you can put them on one. But um, that's a fair question. And also, like to your point about Bates, like, what if Luke Travers comes over next year and he says, like, okay, I'm ready to play in the NBA. Do the Cavs want to put him on a regular contract or they want to put him on a two-way first and let him develop with the charge? Like, there are some questions about this and also, like, just circumstances that <clears throat> Cleveland will have to navigate this summer that there could be a path where Bates um, ends up on a guarantee or, like, a regular NBA contract and, like, it's not Isaiah Mobley and then they explore that route like because assumedly they keep 14 players on the roster because that's how the Cavs typically operate as an organization um and yeah i'm just i'm curious to see how they approach it because i'm never one to say that there shouldn't be like maybe like that quasi that big man maybe it's tristan thompson again if like you know post peds he's really doesn't have any gas left in the tank but um the guys seem to like him in the locker room but either way um the decisions on so your, Mobley and then like Travers so what's your, what's and stuff question? too. Is just like, do you think Mobley, has, Isaiah Mobley, has done enough, or is it going to be who? Because he'll be entering his third year at the team, whereas like uh, Bates will be in his second season. Like, has Bates done enough? You think to leapfrog Mobley and like the priority of signings? No, because if if they gave if they honestly, I'm going to be very blunt about this. If they thought if they saw if they thought Isaiah Mobley was ready right now. I think you could have seen him been used on a two-way, been activated and used instead of Damian Jones when Sturgeon Thompson got suspended for PEDs. And instead, yeah, that that's that's he's been, the thing to me. I'm just like mm. tells you every to oh, me that, that 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 says everything you need to know. Uh, there's a lot to figure out there on the end of the roster. We'll get to that in the summer. But for now, the Cleveland Cavaliers winners of 18 of 20. It's a lot of wins. They're heading into the All Star break, second in the East. 
We'll have more with this means big picture setting the stage for the post-All-Star, and we'll look ahead to what we like and don't like about All-Star Weekend on Friday's show. Until then, I'm Chris Hetzevin. Have a great have a great Thursday. Thanks to Jake Stevens as always.